Welcome to the Experts Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thanks for listening. Welcome, everybody. My name is Donna Hearn. The purpose of this forum is to, to educate the public about addictive drugs. But before I do, I want to read a little something that I didn't write. It's eloquently written. You'll be able to tell that. But it says, justice feelings aren't facts. And I don't think there's a person who's been anywhere near a therapist that doesn't know that statement, that feelings aren't facts. Opinions aren't either. They simply reflect how an individual sees a particular issue. I don't have to decide whether another's angle of vision is right or wrong. I can listen with detachment, accept the other person's right to have an opinion, and perhaps even say, you might be right. Such behavior gives freedom to both the speaker and the listener. I have a bias. I'm not afraid to say that. After 33 years in the addiction field, I can't help but have a bias. Medical marijuana, as it is referred to, is on the fast track for legalization in Florida. What you don't hear about is backlash that has occurred from this process. There are 340 recreational and medicinal pot shops in Denver alone. Sales in the first four months amounted to $202 million. A third of that money is recreational. The number of children coming into ERs has almost tripled due to accidental ingestions. Pot comes in the form of gummy bears, lollipops, jelly beans. Most of the children admitted to ERs were between the ages of three and seven. This is just a beginning. Downtown Colorado Springs, I've been going there for years, has a park where it used to feed the homeless on the weekends in the morning. They would have 30 to 40 indigents show up. Since they've legalized pot, that number's gone to over 200 people, they told me, that they have to feed in that part every day. I know alcohol is the worst drug. I'm just a person who doesn't see what drugs add to somebody's existence. So today, to enlighten you, not about my bias, you'll hear from these experts who have an opinion, but they also treat the not-so-innocent side effects of marijuana. People may still have addiction, and I won't prevent it from happening, but I'll at least prevent the hopelessness that comes with the disease. I'll let them know there's a door they can walk through and get help. Mr. Fry. Why are we here? We're here because marijuana today seems to be everywhere in our consciousness. As we know, the urge for people to transcend, escape, or otherwise alter their reality is a historical fact. But right now, pot seems to be intersecting with the changes in our society and this urge for people to alter their reality and has become the hot button topic of the day. Although for those of us in the addiction field, it's not really that hot button, it's been ongoing. Aldo Morales, board certified in psychiatry and in the subspecialty of addiction psychiatry. He's a charter member of the new American Board of Addiction Medicine. Next to him we have Dr. Dean Rotundo. He has dual training both as a psychiatrist and neurologist and specializes in the non-addictive treatment of psychiatric and addictive disorders to treating the dual-diagnosed patient. He specializes in mood disorders and addictive disorders. We're very happy to have him with us today. And Dr. Abby Strauss, he's been practicing psychiatry since 1981, worked in drug and alcohol crisis units since the late 60s. He also holds a master's degree in social work. And let's begin. Dr. Morales, what is the ASAM opinion on legalizing marijuana? You want the short version or the long version? Let's give you a ASAM is not in favor of legalizing marijuana, but ASAM is in favor of viewing the plant to perhaps extract whatever medicinal component it may have 
so that we can use it as an FDA-approved drug, not in the medical marijuana label that's being promoted currently. To be approved by the FDA, a drug has to be both safe and efficacious. There are no such tests for medical marijuana because it's not by prescription, it's only by doctor recommendation. So it circumvents the whole FDA evaluation process. So ASAM is not in favor of introducing marijuana into our world, except as perhaps studied as what kind of medicinal values can be extracted and exploited for benefit. The same way we extract drugs from other plants that we use in today's medicine, but in a more controlled and safe way. I agree with that opinion because the reason ASAM does not promote legalizing marijuana is because it can trigger addiction and brain disease. That's really the reason. Aside from what Dr. Morales mentioned regarding how it has not met the criteria for FDA approval, there haven't been clinical trials with scientific-based evidence. There's just been anecdotal reports. But the primary reason the ASAM opposes it is because it can trigger addiction and brain disease. Some proponents will say, well, what about alcohol and nicotine? Don't they promote the same thing? And the answer is yes. So how is it logical to add something else that can promote that as well? Aren't we supposed to try and subtract substances that promote addiction and or brain disease rather than use alcohol and nicotine as a defensive posture to lead to the pathway of legalization? That seems to be a popular so-called logical approach to this. I think is illogical. I agree with ASAM for that reason. As physicians, you always heard do no harm. We're also supposed to protect the most important organ system of all, which is the central nervous system. I don't think we'll be protecting it if we promote the use of this, especially the recreational use. Dr. Morales made an excellent distinction about medicinal value versus recreational value. The problem here is recreational value that's becoming very popular and inevitably is going to be passed. The issue is what medicinal aspects of this molecule are really helpful. A lot of signals that suggest that there may be something, but it has not been worked through. I think much of our position is that we are not yet ready to call it a medicine. The process of having something being called a medicine is arduous. It would be silly for a legislature to declare on Monday at noon that something will now be considered a medicine. That is not the way it works. We try very hard to ascertain what are the real long-term effects, dangers, and so on and so on. And most of it, as the word anecdotal, you'll hear that over and over and over again. You'll also hear that there's a lot of hard science going on in Israel and other areas. And thank God we have that because it's important. Our concern is, why do people use marijuana? What psychologically is driving them to do it? That's the issue. And if we live in a society that's too complacent about this, then we're going to allow a lot of people to start using it inappropriately. The other issue which has become very evident in the last couple of years is the fact that teenage brains are not developed. Anybody with a teenager knows that. It really doesn't mature until about the age of 25 or 26. And there are study after study after study that when people use these, there is a reduction in their ability to function. They don't complete school as rapidly. Sometimes there is considered to be a lower IQ. And then there is also just the lack of learning good behavioral skills, which are manifest. And very briefly, there's an old story. See, we're all psychiatrists, so you're going to hear a lot of overlaps. But there's an old story of a guy who's very nervous and looks at a girl across the room and he wants to ask her to dance, but he can't because he's too shy. 
And so someone says to him, I smoke a joint. Then you go over there and the shyness will disappear. And he does that. He goes over, asks the girl to dance. She says, yes. And what's the association? When you're nervous, you use marijuana. Instead of learning how to go over there and ask her, and if she says, no, okay, there are other girls. We don't teach that. And hence a lot of our concern. Why do you think so much controversy about marijuana? It's been around, after all, for such a long time. I think, actually, you could say trying to re-legalize it because from the beginning of this country, it was just something that you bought at the general store, the same as many other products. The problem lies in the assumption that medicine is incapable of really understanding the reality of a molecule that so many people use and say that there's nothing wrong. And our difficulty is that there are a lot of people who, who use marijuana and they function. And that's not the group that we're talking about. It truly isn't. We can't deny it. It's dangerous. But facing two situations, number one, there is money to be made from medical marijuana and recreational marijuana. It's astronomical. Apparently, Colorado announced this week that they have $58 million in surplus taxes. They don't know what to do with it, and they're thinking of sending everybody in the, in the state of Colorado a check for $20. They're going to refund it. But we aren't looking at this with the seriousness that we need to. And part of it is medicine's fault as well, because we aren't specific enough in looking at the dangers, and this is partly what we're doing here. Part of it is that the politicians see it as a mechanism to get into politics this year. If you remember, we had Amendment 2, and it almost passed, and it almost passed. And, and I said, why are you guys doing this? He said, well, the, the, the Democrats are going to be in favor of it, so they get the younger vote, so they get into, into office. And that's what they thought they were going to do. They thought if they went against the, the young adults that they'd lose the vote. That's the wrong reason to make something into a medicine. But it shows what, what's driving the battle here, at least in Florida and elsewhere as well. The profits are phenomenal. The politics are phenomenal. And we seem like the crudge munch, if I can never say that word, the party poopers for saying it's, it's, it's dangerous. And, the problem is you get one person gets up and says, ah, I've been smoking for five years, you know, and I'm the dean of a school or I'm this or I'm that. So it makes us look like we don't know what we're talking about until they come to you or they come to you guys and you say, oops, one last thing. The National Institute of Health, I mean, as the NIDA, National Institute of Drug Abuse, the number that keeps coming up over and over and over again is that 9% of the people who use marijuana are addicted. It, that's minimum, 9%. That's a chunk. Also, I believe that same statistic is that if they start smoking the marijuana when they are teenagers, that percentage goes up to 17%. And if they're long-term users, that percentage actually goes up to 25% by that same statistic. Dr. Rotundo, let me ask you, have you ever treated someone who was entirely or primarily addicted to marijuana? Yes. I would like to add a comment to what Dr. Strauss said first, and then I'll speak about my experiences with marijuana addiction. What Colorado should do with that money is open up sober high schools for the fallout of the high school kids who are going to fail out of school after smoking pot on a regular basis because they're going to need sober high schools and campuses inevitably. That's what they should do with the surplus. And Jack mentioned some statistics, and I wanted to make sure everyone heard these statistics, so I'm going to read a few of them, and then I'll get back to my experiences with marijuana addiction. Recently in psychiatric news, there was an overview of a survey called Monitoring the Future. This is only a year old. 
In the past year, 2014, 12th graders, age 17 or 18, 60% used alcohol. Now, these are the ones who admitted it. Keep that in mind, that even on anonymous surveys, about half the people will not admit what their personal habits are, especially involving illicit substances. 60% used alcohol, 35% used pot, 14% used a prescription drug for a non-medical reason. And I believe when marijuana is legalized, these numbers are going to increase dramatically. This is while it's illegal, 35% of seniors in high school have used pot. And 12% of adolescents meet the criteria for a substance abuse disorder. And now that we've been studying pot for the last decade or so, we found a correlation between psychiatric illness and young regular users. Not dean of the school he mentioned who smokes pot on weekends. We're talking about regular, habitual young people are going to develop addiction and or psychiatric illness. That's what my concern is, that legalizing this is going to increase these statistics dramatically. Getting back to his question, I have met many individuals addicted to pot on a regular basis, and as a result, were unable to maintain daily functions involving their responsibilities at home, at school, even amongst friends. And they needed to come to rehabilitation, inpatient rehab, in order to change their patterns. Because at home, or as an outpatient, it became impossible to do so because of the addictive component. Now, to be fair, not everyone who smokes spots going to become addictive. We have to remember, people have a predilection to that. Not everyone who drinks alcohol is going to become an alcoholic, but there are clearly predilections that I say a very conservative estimate would be 10% of the people who use alcohol or pot are going to become addictive. These are the people we're concerned about. These are the people we meet. I don't meet the dean of the university who smokes a little pot on the weekend. He doesn't end up in rehab or in my office. I meet the young people who are failing out of school or unable to function at home because of marijuana, that they wake up in the morning and that is what's on the menu. Where is the next dose coming from? And that's what addictive behavior really is. You wake up with that as the headline of the day, and then the rest of the day falls into place, if it falls into place at all. Let me add something to that. The medicalization of marijuana sends a message to the young population that marijuana is safe because it is a medical entity. And we saw an increase with Xanax and opiates that kids find in their parents' medicine chests. We saw an increase in those drugs becoming gateway drugs as opposed to the older gateway drug, which used to be marijuana, because Xanax and prescription opiates are medical products. They're legal. They're prescribed by a physician. So kids see them as innocuous, and they are far from that. So the main danger that we face in introducing marijuana as a safe product is endangering the youth of the land. What impact do you think it will have on treatment facilities? That is a great question. We probably all need to put our heads together because never mind the patients that are coming to our treatment facilities. What about the legalization or, or medical marijuana? What about the people who work at the treatment facilities? Can you be in recovery and be a user of medicinal marijuana? Would you want your doctor or your surgeon to be under the influence? Would you want your pilot to be under the influence? These are bigger questions that we're going to have to face and tackle if we allow marijuana to be used in that way. For example, in California, your typical user of medicinal, medicinal marijuana is not your little old lady with cancer. It is a 
20s to 30s white male with a history of substance abuse. So what we are doing is enabling and promoting the use for that particular population. It's going to create a problem for us in the treatment industry because we can't treat somebody, say, for their opioid addiction, but allow them to take their medicinal marijuana. We're going to have to challenge that. It's going to make our work a little harder. That brings up an interesting question. The country thinks it has an ability to vote on whether or not marijuana is a medicine. We didn't get to vote on whether or not opioids would be a medicine. We didn't vote on whether benzos would be a medicine. How is it that this has become a voting issue? President Obama has said that he smoked as a kid, and look at him, he's the president of the United States. No big deal. And that it's safer than alcohol. When you see that message being promoted onto our, our youth, the message is, hey, go do it. Nothing wrong with this. It's also a natural substance, which gives it the sense that somehow it's safe. And then when the whole notion about how cannabinoid receptors were found in our bodies, the notion was, well, nature put it there, maybe there is a role for it, but we don't know what the role is. What you touched on is absolutely chilling because it is medicine losing the ability to make a reasonable decision about how to use medications that are allegedly natural. And it's an arrogance on the part, and I use the word arrogance with no hesitation, it's an arrogance on a lot of the part, a lot of the people who are pushing this, again, for financial reasons, in large part. I will tell you very briefly, I was part of a trial in which medical marijuana was the issue. A 50-year-old man who allegedly had some sort of illnesses was arrested with plants, and he decided to say it was medically indicated. We argued that there was no medical basis, but I will tell you that in the state of Florida, there is a, a mechanism to get medical marijuana right now. There's three criteria. Number one, it has to be a condition that was not self-imposed. That's a key element. Number two, there has to be a very substantial history of trials of aggressive other medications and treatments. And the third leg, and I love the way the legislature, I mean, the judge wrote this one. He says, the evil of using marijuana is less than the benefit of using marijuana. So there are a couple cases in Florida where Florida does allow marijuana to be used based on that. And the reason we argued the case the way we did is because there was no hard medical evaluation. The jury found him not guilty. We're very afraid of how that's going to set a precedent because now it's diagnosis by jury. The problem is that there isn't a definitive enough history of trial of things. I don't know whether Dean or Aldo said it, but the notion of if we're detoxing somebody who is on medical marijuana, detoxing from heroin, or they have something else, then can we say that it's not a legitimate medicine? The legitimacy has to be not on the simple claims of the patient. Oh, I, I hurt. Well, give me more. Give me more. I'm not going to the psychiatrist, man. They give you all those dangerous drugs. Oh, really? You're going to take this? Yeah, man, this is God's drug. Really? Okay, cool. Let's talk about this a little bit. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. And we are going to be in a position, and, I, and, it's, and it's embarrassing for our profession, that we have colleagues here in Florida who are already setting up to this guy in Broward, I forget his name right now. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, come in, you say, I hurt my knee, and I need marijuana, nothing else working. I'm not going to take that dangerous Tylenol. Write the prescription. It's not a prescription, it's a recommendation. And then he's going to be on it. So part of it has to be a massive, intensive diagnostic workup 
and treatment before we can condone marijuana. But the courts have spoken, Broward County, about three or four weeks ago, and I will tell you that the judge said something very interesting at the end. He stood up and he said, after the jury came back, he said, your peers have found you not guilty, but please remember, you've not changed the laws in the state of Florida. Don't call marijuana a medicine. It's not. That captures so much of it. The court got it, but the jury didn't, and the jury won. The treatment's going to be really hard when someone comes through. One last thing, if someone is on medical marijuana and they come into hospice, can they treat them? What are they going to do? Because, you know, when you're in hospice, you've got a lot of opiates and you're dying. We should help those people not suffer. What are they going to do if they're on medical marijuana? They don't know, but they are going to do this. They can't smoke it because if they smoke it, then the nurses can pick it up in the air, secondhand smoke. But if it's being ingested pill form, I have no idea what they're going to do yet. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Very, very interesting. Uh, what I'd like to do is get a last statement from uh, each of you. Are there any factors that would change your mind or ever have you be in favor of legalizing marijuana? I am in favor of, of studying the plants like we do many plants in nature to learn what medicinal component we can derive from it and standardize it. In Israel, there's a product already in use, cannabidiol, which is one of the constituents of the marijuana plant. It's used to treat seizures, but they've extracted it, and you can take it by form of drops as a medical treatment. It's not available in the United States. But I am not in favor of the recreational or medicalization of marijuana because what it represents to our young population. As we mentioned earlier, the brain takes many years to mature in human beings, up to 25 or 26, as opposed to animals. For example, if you take a kitten, a year later it's running around and doing everything very mature with all their neural connections. But in the human, when we introduce marijuana to that developing brain, it can wreak havoc. And we see a lot of psychiatric comorbidity that is triggered by marijuana use at that age. The marijuana acts as a catalyst, sort of like, if I may say in, in layman's terms, a screw-loose hypothesis. If someone has a screw-loose and you add marijuana to that equation, then you're going to have a problem. The trouble is nobody knows who has a screw loose or who doesn't. So it's not safe for our population, for our young kids. I think we're adversely affecting the future. I'd like to comment on what Avi was mentioning regarding the new age acceptance of marijuana because it's a natural plant. And even aspirin is derived from plants. But if you take too much aspirin, you buy the farm. If you take aspirin processed after scientists investigated it and were able to come up with acceptable doses for human beings, it's a wonder drug. Too much of it, your systems will shut down. So marijuana in the 70s had a THC concentration of approximately 3%. And now Colorado and California, they're coming up with marijuana grades that have a THC concentration of 20%. And the oil that they are manufacturing from the plant, this special oil for the vaporizers, some of them have a THC content of 60%. That's why emergency room visits are up with people having toxic delirium and or psychosis simply from smoking pot. Motor vehicle accidents have gone up simply from smoking pot. And this is the reason why I'm very hard-pressed to be in favor of any kind of legalization. Commenting on the medical aspects of it, if an ophthalmologist diagnoses you with glaucoma and he or she thinks you could use a little 
marijuana, then only that doctor should be able to prescribe it. If you need to enhance your appetite because of HIV, then your HIV AIDS doctor should be the only one that should be able to prescribe medicinal marijuana to help enhance your appetite. And of course, if you have terminal pain from cancer or a hospice situation, then that oncologist or hospice doctor should be the only one. But that's not how it works in America. Once you have these conditions, you're able to get any drug, including opiates, et cetera, et cetera, and now they want to add marijuana, and I do not think it's going to help the population at large. It will help these specialized populations, of course, and we shouldn't deprive them of the medicinal value. Why is this becoming such a national debate, and why is it in everybody's mind? Because our society glorifies smoking pot and drinking alcohol. It does, until there's problems. Then... You have a disease. Here's another product coming up right behind alcohol to help everybody change their sensorium. Dr. Rotunda brought a, a good point that we had not mentioned up until now. The weed of today is much more powerful than the weed of the 60s and 70s. We know that an adult can smoke weed today. It's not going to cause any problem, but not the developing brain. That's, I always go back to that point. The developing brain is very sensitive, especially to a very strong super weed that we have today. Not only higher THC content, THC is the active psychoactive component of the marijuana. They've also lowered the cannabidiol component, which tends to temper, the cannabidiol component tends to temper the THC, and the cannabidiol may have anti-anxiety properties, it may even have antipsychotic properties, but now they've perfected it to lower the cannabidiol away low percent content and raise the content of THC. So the weed of today is much more powerful and potentially noxious than that of the past. The people who are proposing that we, we legalize and medicalize it are thinking about back in the 60s, there was no problem with weed back then. Everybody was having a good time. Everybody was getting high. That's not the weed of today. That was a good point you brought up. Dr. Strauss, a closing statement? Uh, very simply, I am not against the molecule. I don't think any of my colleagues are against the molecule. Just give us the time to really tinker with it so we really know what's going on and get away from the sensationalism glorification. I read something the other day that I thought really captured it. Somebody wants medical marijuana to be approved, and the medical marijuana that they were selling was called Magic Haze. And the person came up and said, do you think the name Magic Haze is ever going to be recognized as a medicine? Thank you, doctors. Thank you very much for uh, all your expertise and sharing your time with us. Thank you. Thank you.